Crude Audacity Podcast. Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. I am Catherine Mills, and wherever you are listening from, if you could go ahead and leave us a rate and review, and if you happen to be watching on YouTube, go ahead and click that little subscribe button for me. That way you can stay up to date on all things oil, energy, and of course the crude audacity. So, Today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, a little unconventional, but something that is just running rampant through the oil field right now, which is the digital revolution. And of course, you can go out, you can start a podcast, you can pop off on Twitter, you can friend everyone and their mother on LinkedIn. But really, what is the return? What are you providing to your company? What are you providing to yourself? And how do you measure that? Although we are in a digital revolution, Not very many people are asking for the KPIs or proof of the return on investment. So today, my brave influencer has agreed to come on and talk content, talk impact report, and what his team is doing to build a digital strategy that works. So with all that said, Stephen Forrester, welcome to the Crude Audacity podcast. Hey, Catherine. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining. Usually you're the one putting your people on podcasts. So this is a new angle for you, isn't it? Yeah. I, you know, every once in a while I'll get a, I'll get a moment to uh, shine. I'll, you know, I'll get a, I'll get a moment <laughs> of glory from time to time, but usually it's, yeah, it's the other way around where I'm trying to find a spot for our people to go and uh, talk about the company or what we're doing or themselves. So it's my turn today. So we'll see well, how it goes. For those that do not know the name right off the top of your head, Stephen is with Gyro Data, and they have been absolutely everywhere. I really commend you for what you're doing because any platform I get on right now, I see Gyro Data's name, and that is very interesting to me. Y'all have LinkedIn, over 19,000 followers. Facebook, you're growing daily. I've seen you at conferences, virtual conferences. I've seen you on Twitter. I mean, y'all are absolutely everywhere saturating the market. You And, you know, in the age of consolidation, scaling your business up and down, there's nothing better than word of mouth. And y'all have really taken it to heart to get your name out there and stay on the forefront of all these changes. So as the head of content and the content development manager... Give us your story. How did you start in oil and gas? Why marketing and sales? And what have you seen evolve throughout your career to get you to where you are now? Twenty thirteen, I you know I got I got started in the industry. Uh, I was I was coming off of a master's in English and a bachelor's in English, so not exactly your normal uh, path into this into this business. Uh, my, my dad had been in oil and gas for a long time, so I'd always had some kind of peripheral interest. I, I just thought it was really neat. Uh, certainly attracted to some of the really kind of obvious components about 
cool technology and you know yeah. uh, great great salaries and benefits and things like that, which at, <laughs> which at the time were, were still were still very true, right? I mean, it was a yeah. highly uh, highly sought after industry to work in. So I, I had come out with these degrees. I'd been in service for you know service industry for about ten years, waiting tables, kind of floor manager type stuff, you know, not nothing crazy, and. Uh, I through a recruitment agency, I came across a position. I started work at uh, Lloyd's Register, is the name of the company, uh, or okay. LR. Uh, so pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty well known to a lot of you know folks as far as inspections and uh, you know compliance reports and you know statement of fact and stuff like that. So they they had brought together two uh, companies they'd purchased and uh, put them put them in a new kind of company uh, called. Uh, Lloyd's Register Energy Drilling. So we were the brand new shiny drilling division that just things went nuts. The revenue went through the roof. Uh, they were actually poised to eclipse Marine, which is a 230 year division within about wow. a year of starting this thing. So just oh. again, as, as testament to how good the times were, right? So Total disruption. Uh, our, I love it. Yeah. So our team uh, and, and L, you know, LR historically was a maritime classification society. I mean, they they put the stamp on the side of the sh on the ships, right? That said, you're good to go. So it was That's a new great. kind of a, a new market. Really getting into uh, primarily BOP uh, inspection and certification. So our our group was uh, handling the subsea aspect. So we reviewed. We reviewed and edited uh, subsea uh, BOP inspection compliance reports. Uh, so okay. it, it, it's not a. It, it's about as glorious as it sounds. It was a. It was a great. Uh, <laughs> it was a great intro to the industry. Uh, you know, I was learning all the acronyms and working really closely with all the technical guys. Who, I mean, the talent at that time was just unbelievable. I mean, we we had the guy. He, he was the VP of that group on the the survey side and. He was he had a patent for a ca for Cameron BOPs like he was actually one of the guys that had helped design the Type U back in the day and so it oh, wow. really really and guys that had been with Hydrill and you know, companies that had been acquired through the years and they'd been there at the beginning so really great team we worked on the reports I was there about a year uh, they called me a deliverables coordinator which was. <laughs> The most literal, <laughs> it's the most literal job <laughs> title I've ever probably had um, because the deliverable to the client was the report, was the, was the inspection report with all the all the tables and charts yeah. and diagrams and daily reports. And it had to be right. <laughs> it had to be beautiful. Uh, and and because, again, and this was to your point you know, about the digital revolution. I mean, they were still taking print binders of this stuff. And so oh, yeah. we were... We were shipping these to people everywhere on the face of the planet. These giant, you know, thousand-page binders that had all this stuff compiled for the project. Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen we were, them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yep. and they'd put them in some dark room somewhere, and yeah. you, know, you never and see it. About them. <laughs> yep, but it, it was it was it was good, and uh, certainly a great intro. Um, moved on from there to National Wolvarco. Okay. Uh, my, my favorite. Everyone knows that one. <laughs> I don't think I need to talk yeah, too much about NOV, fortunately, uh, as far as what they do or who they are. So that's a, that's a, you know, household name for the oil field. Uh, my, you know, my boss, uh, my bosses at that point brought me over. It was interesting because I, you know, my whole experience had been with, with uh, pressure control 
And that was really all I knew about at that point. And the division I started in was called Dynamic Drilling Solutions, which uh, un unintentionally was another kind of disruptive um, division within NOV. So it was a business unit that they had just made by bringing together some of the kind of uh, cool new tech with drilling optimization and drilling automation. Mm -hmm. With yeah. a bunch of legacy products uh, that were more like commoditized instrumentation products and, uh, you know, data management software and visualization, things like that. So they were bringing together these two to make a new business and try and really sell it. Uh, and so when they brought me in, that was kind of, uh, you know, my boss was a writer. Uh, he was he was actually the marketing I think marketing content manager or content marketing manager was his title, but you know, another degreed English guy who was like light years ahead as a writer. I mean, just a phenomenal guy and uh, you know, a real mentor. And so they brought me kind of on and said, you know, what we need are we need results. We need case studies. Yeah, exactly. We need to put this out into the market, right? Cause nobody has any idea what DDS is. We want to build a brand name. And we were, we were naming like the products and kind of the services and solutions and trying to get it to stick. And um, that was kind of where I started at NOV. I did that about two years with, uh, you know, some really productive years with some of the best teammates I've, you know, ever, ever had, uh, ever been blessed to have. And after that, we had a corporate reorg as, as these things go, uh, as everybody's painfully aware of they're super fun yeah. they're great yeah i love it you know so you fun but, so they they decided that uh, every business wasn't going to have marketing and communications anymore it was just going to be centralized as a as a okay. corporate resource so they did the whole shared services model they plucked all of us uh, so-called creatives out of the businesses and brought us into this giant corporate team which at the time was just incredibly massive i mean it was it was uh i think at that time i think at its peak was somewhere around 150 people so that's a pretty pretty large marketing organization uh, and even at nov at that time maybe had forty thousand employees give or take so it was a yeah, pretty large individual team. firms i mean that's yeah. huge yeah. Agency. right i mean jar has got about six seven hundred people so our <laughs> the marketing team was a quarter of our entire staff so that was that was trimmed down through the years, but when the, you know they brought they brought uh, us into there, so I was then with uh, another writer. So we were, we kind of became a team of two at that point, and uh, yeah, then it then it, the the job you know, it stayed the same. Write write case studies, document successes, you know, technical articles like for all the industry publications, the World Oils and ENP and JPT things like that. Yeah. Uh, SP papers, you know, try and help. Uh, motivate people to write those and get them out there in conferences <laughs> and things like that. Um, uh, social That's media. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it was, it, it's painful. I mean, but that we was part we'll of share your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll pay you. Right. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll actually pay you to do this. I mean, how silly, but uh, Hey, it works. So yeah. we, we did that and it was, it was similar as just the whole company. So now it was, you know, she had come from Downhole, which is another division, and then uh, I'd come okay. from DDS. And so we both had a, a background in kind of Downhole tools and drilling dynamics analysis and things, you know, mo drilling motors, rotary steerables, all that stuff. Um, and so then they said, well, that's great. Now you can just do everything for the whole company. I mean, they're a little, yeah. they're a little more, uh, a little more uh, 
impactful than that. But it, it was basically, you know, let's learn the whole thing, which was great for career wise, because yep. yeah, then I got to write about you know, rig equipment and capital equipment and BHA design and completion tools and even some kind of out there things like fiberglass pipe and uh, you know, that's uh, actually very cool. <laughs> you know, some kind, kind of like uh, you know, composite materials and uh, corrosion resistant stuff, and you know, tubing and piping and drill pipe. I mean, we kind of covered it all, and yeah, did that for most of the rest of the time there. Uh, I got okay. involved with investor relations a little bit, kind of towards the end, uh, I guess, for about two years, which which was really awesome. Probably the probably the greatest challenge but also the most rewarding thing that I did um, because mm -hmm. just to work with high level executives like that and you know a major uh, major kudos to you know to them for even allowing me to do that and to sit in on you know their quarterly meetings where they're reviewing yeah. this micro level financial and operational stuff about what we were doing and then trusting me and one other guy to kind of write scripts for the earnings calls and whatnot and going through those together so Huge opportunity, uh, was absolutely in no way uh, trained in that or anything. So it was it was awesome. I love that though. I love yeah. that. Well, Clay, it was it was cool because for SPE, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an SPE member, and uh, early mm -hmm. on I joined. They have a publication for young professionals called The Way Ahead. Uh, yes. It, so it was once a magazine. Now it's digital, and. When that's at that time, I was in this section called business benchmarks, and so I had this idea of I should just try and interview our CEO. I I, I don't know. I I was never like a big. I mean, to this day, I'm not a huge fan of kind of like formality and really, yeah. you know, really big, like really thick layers of uh, you know red tape and all that. I mean, I just. I like, always tell my boss, I'm like, I'm so glad you're used to me because, like, this whole structure thing, yeah, it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, I actually told him, you know, I, I just emailed him. I was like, I'm just going to email the CEO and pray. I'm going to pray that you know I don't find my termination notice thereafter. Uh, so I, I asked him if I could do an interview for this SB column, and he said yes. And uh, so I went in, I took my little, you know, I took my phone with me, recorded an interview, just to ask him about kind of his career and advice for young professionals, really simple stuff. And, uh, and then afterwards we shut it off and he said, so like, what do you do? Like, who are you? <laughs> like, how did, how did we kind of come here? How do we, how did you even end yeah. up in front of me? Like, so I told him I'm an English guy and I'm not your, I'm not your average, you know, technical writer slash content person. I just kind of have made it uh through some through kind of learning and sheer will <laughs> and and uh he was like so you're telling me i have like an english an english guy that works at this company and like that's your thing but i've never like, had anybody yeah yeah right <laughs> did someone in hr make a mistake you know yeah exactly like, did uh, they and he was actually said you know I, if i had known that he said i need to talk to jose the cfo i need to see if like we can get you involved like we could use some help with that kind of stuff and then it just yeah. It just blossomed into this awesome thing. And so uh, that was kind of my title changed near the end. I got a manager title. Uh, I had a couple reports for a little while for about nine months uh, and not, not a lot changed in the way of the job. It was, it was more of a, it, it was a little more superficial. I mean, I, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of helped uh, help them and, you know, typical kind of delegated some work and tried That's to have awesome. more ideas. And, and it was, it was a cool, uh, it was a cool time. I really liked it. And, you know, bo both of them I had already worked with for a long time. So it wasn't like there was a huge, 
like awkward relationship. It wasn't weird or anything. I knew them and what, and one was stay at home anyway. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't the most challenging uh, manager job. Yeah. But I left there uh, last year, a friend of mine, she was here, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, she was a marketing manager over here at Gyro Data. And we had worked together at NOV uh, again, you okay. know, how small the oil field is. So she, she had worked in the, in our, uh, in NOV's wired drill pipe, uh, group. And, uh, we had interfaced a lot with that in the team I was on with, uh, a long string measurements with you know, high speed telemetry and, and thing, uh, things that enabled autom drilling automation. And so she said, yeah, I need it. Like I need a writer. You know, yeah. she was on board. She was she was a marketing person, knew it from day one. Said I, I just have nothing. You know, I, I need a resource like this, and I and I kind of hired somebody, and we're try I was trying to get her to a level where I want her to be, and now she's leaving. So I, I'm I'm out I'm out in the cold. I need somebody. Are you on the market? And we just had lunch, and it was like, actually, Why yeah, not? I need I, I need a I need a change. You know, I need I need something more and. You know, bada bing, bada boom, the magic happened. Here we are. And uh, unfortunately, it went kind of in layoffs and consolidation. And uh, even when I started in November last year, we had a drilling services division with MWD equipment, with motors, rotary yeah. steer bowls. And, you know, we sold that entire division off yeah. uh, and, and just kind of refocused on being a, a surveying company and some wireline offerings. Um and as we were downsizing, which led to something, you know, several hundred people. I mean, it was, it was tough. And it's COVID. I, I, it, I mean, it's, it is it's, what it is. It's COVID and it's commodity price. And just, it, it, it was just a, it's a, it's a rough market and I get it. And so I, you know, I kept counting my blessings that I was not one of the ones that was in the, you know, in the, in the group that was let go. And actually my, my former boss was one of the people I think in March. And so oh. then it kind of, it kind of got really chopped down to me and one other guy. Um, mm -hmm. So in total contrast to the big giant NOV team that even at, even at its you know fewest members was like 35 to 40 when I was, when I left, um, we're two. And so I'm kind of all the like writing and okay. uh, technical writing, any kind of, as the title would suggest, any kind of content development or, ideas for for that kind of stuff and then he does like graphic design and more with our okay. website uh so it, it really works well we work really well together it's just like kind of a perfect pairing on the skill set um, yeah because he can do things that i just can't do and and uh, the same thing i you know i can i'm i can do things that he can't do and so it just works to, works together really well and uh here we are it's a, it's coming up it's actually about a month a month till i hit my year mark so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I made it, you know, hold, let's hold out at least another week, you know, but I passed yeah. my year mark with Sirtec, uh, just like two weeks ago. And I was honestly, uh, if my boss is listening, I was expecting a party. <laughs> yeah. 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 Apparently that wasn't worked into the budget. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. We're having our, we're, data is having its 40th, uh, you know, our 40th year in business was actually in September. And That's incredible. So we're, we're we're hanging in there, and you know, good things are happening. And oh, yeah. but we we joked because 
everybody back in the good old days, at least we would probably have had regional events or even, yeah, you know, even yeah. like a, a little barbecue outside, not, nothing crazy, but just something to say thank you. And, you know, if, you, if you've made it with us and you've stuck with us, thanks for being here. And uh, that has been so complicated by current, <laughs> current conditions. It's like, uh, I, I guess well, we're going to do a video. A party, you can come to Denver. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, have, my, we have an office in Denver. My boss is, I mean, my boss is actually lives in Denver. So he's, uh, he's up there. Oh, I didn't uh, realize that. That's yeah, awesome. He's, it's funny because he's here this week. So he's in Houston for a little trip and kind of getting back in touch with the gang. But yeah, he's, he's up in Denver most of the time. So, and it's so different. Steven, because, I know. Oh, sorry. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Sorry. <laughs> So Stephen, I know that when I asked you to do this and kind of went through the idea with you, uh, it, it was a new topic. It, like we said in the intro, it's not, it's one that people are slowly but surely trying to figure out, navigate, how does investing in a digital strategy actually benefit me as a company being an operator, oil field services, um, one of the peripheral companies. I mean, the oil field is vast. We touch everything. And the reason I liked your story so much is because most of your story involves you figuring it out from the ground up. So yeah. I know I was looking down a little bit when you were talking, but I'm actually taking notes to ask you more questions. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, but, oh boy. You know, I know, right? <laughs> so I, I actually think what is so unique about you is that you are a creative. You, you fall in that creative category. You have an English degree. And as we all know, if you want to be found in a digital world, copy your text. That is really the most important thing. Podcasts are great. Sure, whatever, YouTube. But the copy itself is how the crawlers find you to push you into different levels so that you can be found easier. I mean, heck, we even have hashtags that still copy, you know? Yeah, so. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit here because most people, especially operators, some small guys on service side, they rely on word of mouth. And to me, word of mouth is still the most important recommendation, testimonial bit of marketing that is out there. And everything else is a pillar of which it pushes word of mouth higher. However, we used to do this in print ads. We used to do this in you know, not nothing on LinkedIn. It was uh, conferences and sending the same three guys just around the country traveling for different conferences. Yeah. So what have you seen since you started and where are we now from your perspective? Well, you're a hundred percent right as far as, yeah, I mean, the old way of doing it, at least you know, from what I've seen and, you know, 2014 and even in that kind of you know, emerging into that downturn, uh, which has really just persisted <laughs> the past half decade. But yeah, um, yeah starting there, the budgets as far as marketing, especially at, you know, decently sized companies like an NOV or especially on oil field services sector with your Schlumbergers and Bakers and, and NOV and the like, there's still a lot of uh, budget for marketing at that point. And mm -hmm. like you said, it was all stuff like, print ads uh you know let's put two ads in, in this magazine and we'll buy the front cover and the back mm -hmm. cover and uh you know how then we'll you write an article. for that yeah. how did you know where you wanted to be because there 
I mean, we have a lot of, there's a lot of room for print advertisements, but in terms of like the top 10, it's never really changed where you go for your information. So how were y'all deciding what, what factors were pushing you in front of what publications? Well, I'd say in, in my first kind of couple years, you know, we, we didn't even do much print because just it was so expensive. I yeah. mean, you know, when you're talking seven to 13,000 plus dollars for a single page and, as you mentioned in your intro, I mean, there's no measurable anything on this unless mm -hmm. may, maybe there's like an ad survey and you get some comments, but the likelihood you ever know that a sale came from that is virtually, is virtually not. <laughs> uh, so we didn't do a lot. And the ones we did, we would just really target magazines, oil field specific magazines that uh, had the highest kind of readership and, um, ones that we also felt the content kind of best fit our message, I guess you could say. So like JPT, for example, was always kind of the premier publication. It was the, it was the industry's yes. flagship publication. And gosh, yes. I hope, no, I hope nobody from any of my, my friends at, at all the others, <laughs> please don't stomp on me, you know, but <laughs> I, think, I think that was somewhat, understood because JPT was, un, it was totally neutral. Uh, yeah. There were no, there was no article, there were no articles in there with contributed content. It was all tech papers and things that they, their editorial team had broken down into more accessible content. Mm -hmm. Things for thought leaders and executives. It, there was just no aspect of any kind of pay to play. Uh, it was, it was totally neutral. And so we liked that first. I mean, we actually did an insert uh, when we when we were doing drilling automation and we we had uh, we had named it, we finally gave it a name for our side. So all of our kind of combination of goodies with uh, you know downhole data analysis and and mm -hmm. uh, you know drilling dynamics and all that, we had we had put it under this evolve banner. So it was called evolve. And then okay. on the on the rig side, so we were in wellbore technologies, and then rig equipment or rig technologies was another. Uh, business segment, they had this thing called Novos, which was the process. It was the platform that you used at Surface. So it was the process automation platform that would uh, basically use the data from down hole to inform automated equipment functions at Surface. So mm -hmm. the driller isn't having to do 500 million things anymore that are these really kind of tedious manual processes because the system was using the data to optimize it all and perform some of these things automatically. And so we, we made this brochure bringing these two concepts together because they weren't, we were totally different businesses. So yeah. they'd say, Oh, well the surface thing is so great. We'd say, yeah, but you want your downhole data, you know, and we needed to bring that together in a message that made sense because it needed to be sold together as kind of a more yes. holistic thing. And, you could do one or the other separately, but you weren't unlocking most of the value unless it was kind of together. And so we made this brochure and wrote all this copy. And like you know, I mentioned my boss then, Jason uh, Hedgepath, like, you know, that was really kind of his baby as far as writing it. And I just kind of helped. But um, we we packaged that sucker up with JPT and in an insert that came, you know, plastic wrapped and was mailed okay. to it's something at that point, times were good. I mean, mailed to 90,000 plus people. Um, so 
it was good, okay. right? And, and, and yeah, yeah. That, so that was something big we did. And again, hard to measure, uh, if not impossible to measure. But well, there's a metric there. So you, you put, you get a one pager, some sort of ad together, you know how many individuals it's getting mailed to. Yeah. The problem to your point was the impressions at that point. Just because it's in there doesn't mean that people flip to your page. Yeah, or that they read it or that they that they even engage in any way or that they or maybe they do read it but then they don't act. That's probably the majority is they might see it and and make it to there and they might even read the copy but then it's like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And then it's just it's just the next. And they're bombarded with information. I mean, you're you're inundated even in print. It's like these, you know, the the companies that are running these magazines, whether it's you know, SPE or Gulf Information or whoever or Gulf Energy. I mean, they're all trying to make money too, and exactly. so these things have a lot of ads in them. And it sometimes it's like I read an article and then there's an ad, and then I read an article <laughs> and then there's two ads, and it's just there's a lot of stuff. So. If I you know what's of- funny about that, though, is it's the same argument that's happening in digital is I know I can get impressions. I know I can get out in front of people and have a big reach. But what is my call to action generating something that I can measure? Yeah. I mean, it has of- to be. So it, it, it should, right? Recreational <laughs> marketing. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, I mean, and I, I agree with your earlier statement about kind of you know, word of mouth and, and reputation being the kind of, especially in, as, as, you know, in marketing, as far as what we can do, that kind of being, uh, you know, the, the top line up there. And then a lot of other things that we do, whether it's organic or, you know, maybe something we budget for that's, you know, a paid campaign, all of that to just certainly serve its own purpose, but also reinforce that kind of overarching goal of, uh, you know, of, of spreading word and, Certainly yeah. letting your customers be your advocates uh, and, your, and your, your employees. You want them to be your advocates as well and get them engaged internally and externally. There's a lot of factors to it. So, No, and, and that's a really good point. There is a very different strategy between external and internal. But before we jump into that one, because it is one of my extra questions I, I wrote down for you, surprise. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about conventions and the old way of conventions because it was always the same group of people. It was the same booth that might get updated. I mean, anywhere from $35 to $55 just for the square footage and then 115 to maybe 155 for like the look and feel of the booth. I mean, they got ridiculously expensive. The same people were traveling to them and all you needed was one sale out of it. That could yeah. make the difference. That could justify the convention. So were they really effective for us or was it just a good party? <laughs> I I mean, again, I hope no is, is anybody listening, you know, from SPE or something. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it's tough because, yeah, you know, I went to OTC for several years. I always enjoyed it. Like, I personally got something out of it, uh, you yeah, know, or, exactly. or, or, and professionally I got something out of it, even if it's just networking or whatever. But uh, from a revenue standpoint, I mean, I I was and I you know I didn't ever hear about a sale being made, but I was I was always extremely skeptical of at least where I was working. If you know if if a sale came from any of our activities at, at these conventions, especially the big ones like OTC, where this this is costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, and potentially 
even more than that. And so when you look at that and it's like, we have this giant aisle, you know, it's a giant booth and it's right on the main aisle. So it's super visible and we'll lay out collateral. You know, like you, like you said, we have 20 sales guys that are just walking around and trying to talk to people. And uh, I, I very highly doubt that anything substantial came from that. And, we, we actually would have little information desks where people could go and ask more specific questions. And kind of the, the hope was a salesperson might engage with someone and then they could bring them over to that little desk yeah, and they exactly. would input their information in our system. And, you know, we'd provide the right contact, maybe a technical contact to follow up or. Um, so you were list building. That was so, the ROI of the conventions. So, so we're trying to do that. But the problem yeah. was how often was that, happening or successful was not probably not it was definitely not frequent enough to merit like being at the conference i mean because so many people were job seekers uh an yeah. enormous amount of them. <laughs> yeah yeah been, been there done that i mean but and an enormous <laughs> amount of vendors uh yeah especially with nov being in the manufacturing space and people trying to say you know what do you want to buy you know our steel and metal, you know metal companies and yeah just a lot of, of stuff that even had merit maybe a, a part or it could be worth pursuing, but to, to revenue generation just wasn't going to happen. And I, I was always interested with what we did at the company because we had this giant booth, cost a lot of money, a lot of time for our personnel to sales, technical, marketing, comms, yeah. you name it, we're all there. These are all just salaries that are basically free for a week. Um, you know, and, and gu- guilty is charged. Yeah. I've went every year until they, until they canceled it, but, um, and so what we did at, at NOV was we had this, the thing, this, uh, this, you know, famous shrimp boil thing. And oh. they had a, we had a big, you know, facility, uh, off of Holmes road, a tubiscope facility down there. And yeah. they had, uh, they just put a massive shrimp boil together and actually would, would, you know, transport a land rig, one of our land rigs down there. And all this capital equipment would be laid out, whether it's, you know, top drives and BOPs and, and shakers and, uh, you know, you, you name it. It was, it was out there for everybody to see and touch and interact with. And, the, cool. and these, were, these weren't models. I mean, this was actual equipment and yeah, yeah for people to go on tours of this. Uh, I mean, it was a functional land rig that they could go up you there and see everything. An experience. That's yeah. a very unique way to market. It's not just saying we're subject matter experts, pay attention. You provided something that actually got people curious about what you were doing to ask more questions. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, and again, attending it as an employee was one thing and it was great, but I mean, for, for our guests, um, you know, whether they, we would bring food trucks out, we'd do a shrimp boil, there would be beer and beverages, there's ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Tubascope would actually do these commemorative, uh, uh, like, pint glass looking things, you know, I, I don't know if it's a pint glass, but I actually have one somewhere. I don't know. This might be awkward, but I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, just say it again and then pull it in. Yeah. But so they would do these commemorative, you know, do that one more time. Oh yeah. So like, this was one of them. Where's my camera? There it is. So right like, there. They did that one uh, in 2018 and then like a really, you know, just really simple ones like that was from one year, just a simple pint glass. And 
I mean, this was like a weird oil field, like collector's item. And yeah. you know, Reed, Reed Heikelog would give out uh, like these little drill bit plushies. They're not plushy, okay. but like the like the stress reliever thing, you know. And I oh, mean, stress so, balls. yeah, but it was in the shape of a like a PDC bit. And I mean, people people went bonkers for this stuff. Yeah, everybody loves oil field swag. I mean, it, 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 it's no, it's, it's, it's cool. well, it's well documented. I love this stuff, but that event was, was fun, educational, uh, in, you know, informational for customers and even, you know, we'd have students there and stuff. I mean, it was just a great industry thing. And truth be told, the budget for that, including like transport of all that equipment and the logistics and everything was less than half of what that they would spend on OTC. Uh, and you know, know what's it, funny about that is that is probably the most effective marketing because you have provided that experience than any sort of conventional cost. Yeah, the whole experiential thing is, you know, getting people to actually do something and engage with something. And, yeah. um, you know, and I, I, I'm obviously not there anymore, so I don't know what the plan will be moving forward. But there was, there was a lot of talk of, um, you know, and, and there's been talk of that at Gyro Data too, as far as do we, you know, do we really need to do conferences anymore ever? I mean, uh, are we ever going to rent a booth space again? And for us, actually, the answer is probably no for us. I mean, except for maybe very targeted or very specific things that are uh, extremely cost effective. Uh, especially more like local or regional events that we can maybe do several instead of just one big thing. You yeah, know, like, exactly. hey, like we'll sponsor a, you know, AADE golf tournament type thing and we'll send our guys out there. We have a big cooker, like we'll send them out there to cook up some food and play golf and like just simple stuff. So it's not, it's not really a sales activity per se, but it also doesn't cost a hundred thousand dollars to get a booth space. It's, it's, it's a totally different scale. And so, I think here we'll look at things like that ahead yeah. of uh, ahead of any major booth type thing, and uh, certainly at larger companies they'll probably reevaluate. I, I would it, it's it's tough to call that because I mean I can't see an OTC without like Schlumberger having a booth, for example. It would just be weird if they're not there. It would be weird, right? <laughs> yeah. If they, well, and if they're not there, who? Why is anyone? Why are any OFS companies there? But. Then on the flip side, I remember back in the day when GE uh, Oil and Gas had a booth, and I I think uh -huh. it was the last year that they had a booth, and they had their giant new subsea mux uh, pod thing, and it was like the coolest thing ever. And I mean, it was like stretching up to the ceiling of the arena. Or, yeah, I know, was, yeah. And I mean, probably how much did they pay to transport? Those were the days when everybody Cam Cameron was its own company still and they had BOPs and valves and everything just sitting out on the show floor that, you know, the, the good old days and um, how much were the logistical costs of all that? And sure enough, GE stopped uh, GE oil and gas was gone next year. They were, they didn't, they didn't have a booth anymore, probably because to, uh, you know, to the early point, there was no ROI, especially to justify that kind of cost of transporting capital equipment. So, so did you ever, the old ways, where there was no uh, measurable ROI, was, were you being asked by upper management about KPIs, so key performance indicators, how many impressions did we make, um, how many cards did we get, anything along those lines uh, in order to report back on, I mean, I, I would have a hard time seeing you going into your CEO's office and saying, well, it went great. Okay, but what does that <laughs> 
you know. And I mean, at, at NOV, uh, I'm sure there, I'm sure there were, there was something said, and I mean, yeah, that was kind of the challenge with, you know, a a large team, uh, a, a kind of siloed team as well. So, uh, kind of content and writing was one thing, and. Animation, 3D is one thing, and events is one thing, and design. There were so many groups, and 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 then really, as far as event prep and and planning and budgeting, I mean, that was going through kind of the highest level of our team, uh, which you know we had a C-suite executive over marketing, and so um, that was probably somewhere in some conversation. You know, Clay said. I want to know if OTC accomplished this, this, and this. I, I'm sure exactly. there was goal setting. Uh, I was not ever aware of it personally. So for for us, it was more of like, uh, you know, do, are people even like engaging with the booth that we design yeah. or that we kind of, uh, you know, we creatively develop a concept around what the booth should look like, and uh, you know, or, or do we? Do we get models for the booth or do we like print out marketing collateral and put it in folders that people can take? And so kind of we would we would take those ideas. And yeah, no, another thing that was really difficult to measure other than purely either, you know, did people take the content or take take the print material? And did we oh, have them engaged? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had this. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, stop giving that away at some point. It's like, you get a, here's a pen, you know, <laughs> but. So um, I find this so interesting because now as we move into the portion of the discussion that focuses on a digital strategy and how you can create new markets and earn really, you know, market share, expand your market share because you put something online now and it takes 30 seconds and you're all over the world. It's interesting to me that are the old ways still valuable because word of mouth anything that elevates word of mouth is valuable one way or the other but do you need the print advertisement to your point do the conventions matter people don't get mad at me i'm just saying we got to rethink some of this we're yeah. in a pit so what what are you seeing when y'all started adopting this digital strategy was it simply word of mouth and just trying to make sure you were on every platform or was there Hey, this is where we're headed. This is the strategy that needs to be behind it. I I think you know at, at Gyrodata there was some uh, there was some kind of anticipation of this happening uh, by you know even when I when I started I think that my former boss I think she kind of knew that uh, we were going to need to change our ways and I, I even before I started here uh, Gyrodata was already kind of looking at things like. Uh, conference travel spend, and they they had just mm -hmm. done uh, Adipec right right before I started, and okay. there were there were, and this was so this was twenty you know whatever November twenty nineteen, and there were I think five or six people that were sent to Adipec, and it, uh, for, you know a couple of them were in country, but uh, several of the executives were straight from the U.S. overseas, and <laughs> and that was really I think the last conference that anybody like flew out to or you know mm -hmm. paid for a booth or anything and I, as far as i know we did it because we were kind of commercializing some new technology and uh it was an important market to hit in the middle east and so there were there were some justifications for it but yeah i mean to your point it, it definitely is changing and i don't even think it's like 
it's it's tough for me because I love print. Like I, yeah. I mean, imagine that as a you know as a reader and writer that I want. Like I, I'm still the guy. I never had an Amazon Kindle. I've got like a closet <laughs> full of books. I love holding something tactile. Um, but I would say I would say that although print might be changing, copy the importance of copy wherever it is has not changed. That is literally a, that's like word of mouth. It is a foundational element to make your ads, your strategy, your new market uh, evaluations effective. You have to have good copy. You have to communicate like that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board uh, more, more, more than, you know, <laughs> and certainly have, you know, I've certainly faced some challenges here and there with, uh, you know, because in kind of the creative world, I think that there's sometimes a, a kind of a, a self-defeating, you know, battle between copy and content as one side and then the other side with design and visuals. And there's this weird like back and forth to where, you know, well, people and, and it all has some validity, right? OK, well, people, yes. uh, their, their attention spans are very short, so we can't have a lot of copy and. Um, you know, we don't want to bombard them with too much information. So we really need to shorten it down and, you know, catchy tagline or headline and yeah. whatnot. And then well, on the other you side, were naming, you were naming new equipment and new processes. Title matters. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was, uh, and it's, it's even more so in the oil field, I think, because a lot of times, uh, you know, you need, you need a good visual to kind of draw attention to the page and hook somebody um, you don't want, you know, if you have a very boring graphical element or whatever it, nobody, they probably won't even stop on the page. It's just it, there people flip and they see whatever they see. Something has to catch your eye. So I was always, yeah, on the, idea the, that, uh, the iPhone, the flipping yeah. right, flipping left, scrolling up, scrolling down. It ha there has to be some sort of impact moment that grabs the yeah. attention. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because we keep iPhones in our pockets. They are constantly collecting millions upon trillions of data points on us. And, you know, what you're saying is why aren't we applying that to the digital sector, to the print, the marketing side of the oil and gas world? And it also might be a reason why operators look at marketing as an unnecessary item when really to what you said earlier it goes back into investor relations. Why do I invest in you? Why do I give you my funding if you're not, I mean, cool idea, but what makes yeah. me want to take that next step with you? And it's reputational marketing, hands yeah, down. I mean, especially for, you know, for operating companies. I mean, uh, you know, many of, if not all of whom are embroiled in, uh, you know, kind of current uh, fights over ESG yeah. and, you know, co corporate social responsibility, whatever, you know, whatever acronym we want to attach to it. I mean, everybody's needing to justify to investors their, uh, their plan moving forward so that they can try mm -hmm. and get some more, you know, some more money. Um, they're trying to prove that there's some aspect of how they do business that's green or environmentally sound. And, you know, you have some companies that are way on one side, like, uh, you know, like BP or, you know, Shell or some of the European companies that are saying we're going to rapidly approach this kind of, uh, you know, decarbonization and, and yep. uh, you know, making us more green, environmentally sustainable and whatnot. And then there's others that are saying we're good, you know, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to keep on drilling, you know, I mean, and, and we'll just but we'll try and do it better. We're going to do it more safely. 
and, and yeah. it's, but all of them need, uh, all of them could benefit from, like you said, reputationally, building that up. Yeah. Cause yeah. we're, we're, we as an industry are very bad at, uh, helping ourselves. And I, I think that's <laughs> operators, it's oil field services, it's tech. I mean, whatever, uh, we're, we're, a, you know, an insular community that's really good at, at rallying around one another. Uh, yeah. whether it's on LinkedIn or in person or, you know, a podcast or whatever, like we, we like oil and gas and we're all about this. And outside of that, it's kind of a really uphill battle with everyone else that, uh, either doesn't know what we do. So it's kind of like, how do you, uh, you know, how do you combat just general ignorance, uh, mm-hmm. or people that are entrenched in kind of a negative worldview about oil and gas. And so how do you address that? There's a lot of things, but yeah, operators, I mean, you know, what I've seen through the years is it's very difficult. I think anybody that's in oil field services would know this, but it's often very difficult to get them to write things with you. Um, or, you know, whether it's like a press release about a great project or even like a technical yeah. article about just something individually that you've done. If you can There's even- There's this misconception get- that you, are, you aren't protecting data. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is that you're also not collecting it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just making sure it wasn't my boss. But like, the, you're you're protecting data, but you're not collecting it either. You're not using it to your benefit. And isn't that the point of data collection? Is that and having this data is that it is to be utilized for your benefit. So I'm a huge advocate of finding your voice because in the world of social media, and we'll get into that. But in the world of social media, there's nowhere to hide. So the old ways, that old mentality that keep your head down, the doors closed, get your work done, that's only a portion of the pie now. Now you have to actually have an outward communication strategy and, to your point earlier, an internal communication strategy to help support the outward communication strategy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we... uh with with people, you need your employees to be uh, engaged and energized and... Um, I think internal communication suffers quite often because um, there's just so many approaches to it or, or there might not be any approach to it at all at some companies. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, well, we have our intranet, right? I mean, that's fine. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's I can email. it. Yeah. Hey, look, you know, you, you talk to your colleagues on the email. It's fine. You know what's going on. I mean, and, it's it's not as challenging at maybe a company like Jar Data because we're small and so it is very interconnected and you know we we have a very kind of bare bones uh, you know intranet that we use and it has document repository and lots of forms and files and conversations. So it's your dark social. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. fine, right? I mean, it, people want that and need a you know kind of a quote unquote safe place. I mean, and yes. they can talk about whatever, and we can talk about confidential projects and things that we need to discuss that we want to review, but that isn't, it's not ready to go anywhere else. So exactly, we're doing okay, but we're also very small. But when you have giant corporations, uh, you know, it becomes infinitely more challenging to implement any kind of thing. I mean, NOV used Yammer, um, which I think, I think, <laughs> <did Microsoft>, <laughs> which I think Microsoft owns now, but uh, <laughs> so we had Yammer and it was, 
I don't know how many people used Yammer, but it wasn't a lot. And, and every time I say it, I just feel a part of my soul just <laughs> leaving my body. But it, it was intended to be this amazing thing that, you know, oh, employees can communicate and they can put up stuff. And there certainly were people that used it. But out of the employee base, I mean, hell, I'd be, I would be surprised if 10% used it. And maybe it's more. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I mean, I never saw the numbers, but... It just was, it was almost like an echo chamber. It was like the people that used it, used it very frequently and and used it for a lot of different things. And so you'd see them pop up here, 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 and they're all, all these different threads and everything. And that that was kind of it. And so everybody that used it did. And it just became this, this group of, you know, however many people that were just talking amongst themselves. And it's like, well, hey, that doesn't solve the fundamental problem of kind of uh, internal comms is unifying the company around something. And also at NOV, especially a manufacturing company, a problem we faced a lot was what about all the people in the shop? Yeah. Uh, or, in a, or in a lab or in the field different or wherever they are. Styles, different interests, different, you know, key points of relevance. Yeah. And do they even have access to a computer? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> if, if I, if I'm a, if I'm a welder, uh, how often do I check my laptop if the company even assigned me one? Like, or if I'm a exactly. if I'm a contra I might be a contract worker in one of these shops or whatever, and I don't even need a computer. Like, I, I clock in, I clock out, I do my thing, I have my shift, I get paid. Like, I don't need a company email. What What are they going to do? You know, and I mean that's yeah. so. How do you how do you build engagement and uh, a community with with you know folks that uh, you can't reach? Uh, it's very true well that's getting me and i know i'm sorry do you have time i know we're about to go over a little bit oh, i'm i'm fine yeah. okay okay good because i'm really enjoying this conversation <laughs> um so so now you're at gyro dating y'all are really implementing this digital strategy and i have seen you guys absolutely everywhere so you and i've talked a little bit you know i've got about three clients that i do digital strategy development for consulting or just their whole thing right now <laughs> and the thing i always hit home is reach rate and retention those are the three truths in social media but digital strategy contains podcasts it contains social media platforms it contains copy website um some people have gone as far to say that it's the little voice recording on the uh, voicemail when you call the company, you know, it's, it's more yeah. encompassing. There's strategy behind everything and every portion of it. So what are your top, what are your top three priorities in your current digital strategy? Well, I, I guess, I mean, at, at the top is, is visibility. Um, especially with, you know, co coming into this, uh, you know, coming to a company and not really having a program at all. And as far as a communications program, and then um, kind of recognizing that, A, we're, op we're operating in a niche market anyway. Uh, yeah. So it's not a highly, it's not like every rig needs a top drive type thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a gyro for wellbore surveying. So it's not, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not quite the same scale. And uh, also, yeah, I mean, we, we just didn't have a program anyway. And so do people even know who Gyro Data is other than those that operate in the small market? And I mean, uh -huh. I've been in the oil field for six years, which wasn't, you know, a crazy long time or anything, but I'd never heard the company. I'd never heard of the company before. And really? not that I was, 
you know, so I was not some bastion of knowledge or, you know, like that, that's not some catch all thing where like, Oh God, you know, he didn't know, but <laughs> I was pretty informed. And I, I mean, I knew next to nothing about wellbore surveying and stuff like that. I mean, um, so that was kind of an early point was how do we get, how do we get out there? You know, for a company that had one article published in 2018, one, one piece of content in the entire, uh, you know, oil and gas community or, or sphere of influence. One thing, you know, how do we, and then in 2019, I think they had like six or something before I started. So, you know, how do we take that to the next level? Because yeah, it's say, and really that was why, you know, uh, my boss, had, Jennifer had brought me on because I had done that for NOV and I'm not trying to, it wasn't just me by myself or anything. I'm not trying to, you know, tune my own horn, but that was part of the plan that, you know, we had developed was, and it was kind of the same. I mean, it was a more common name because of how diverse it was and how large it was, but our goal was get it out there into the, into the eye of all the, of, of the oil and gas community as well, especially things that they didn't know that NOV did, or maybe they kind of knew, but they needed to know more. Yeah. Everybody knows that you build BOP stacks and top drives and stuff, but do they know that you, like I said earlier, do they know that you have fiberglass reinforced polymers that you use to yeah. build railings for offshore platforms? Probably not, you know. So how how can you how can you uh, you know talk about things that are actually not supported a lot? And we increased their output from you know something well over three hundred percent over the course of a couple of years, uh, and that was a pretty conservative estimate too because it was tough for me to kind of count content pieces in 20, yeah, <laughs> 2016. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of round up what I can. So <laughs> I kept this really detailed and annoying spreadsheet and, you know, logged everything and all the articles. I totally really. want to see that spreadsheet. I want to yeah. see how you built up your tracker. <laughs> I have one here too. I'll see if I, I might have a copy of the old one, which was just, I mean, it was so, it was just so annoying. I mean, but, but I like, <laughs> I'm OCD, like so. I love that yeah. kind of stuff, like updating it. I, I don't like Excel yeah. even, but just like spreadsheets, I'm like, I'm like, yes, you know, I, that one. I, we wrote that one. I can put the title in that box now. It's so, it's so silly, but um, <laughs> so I, I try to do the same thing here. Was get the name out there, visibility, uh, certainly reputation, you know, like we've been talking about. I mean, because again, can we highlight the successes that we're having and. Uh, and what we're doing, you know, can we get customers involved? Can we, uh, you know, can we get more data on things and not just say, you know, we we drilled a well and it was placed a little better. I mean, I want like, tell me what that means. And so, yeah, we, so exactly. that way we can tell what, so we can tell the, the audience what it means. Uh, exactly. And, and that way they can understand it because not everybody's in wellbore surveying and uh, in this field. And so if you're reading this, like, I want a reservoir engineer to read this and say, you know, wow, okay, you know, when they did the ellipse of uncertainty is reduced by X percent, which actually increased the recovery factor by so many percent. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to get into more of the nitty gritty versus the kind of high level, which was really more where it was at um, before and getting our employees involved, getting customers involved. We started a thing and it wasn't, it wasn't just me. I mean, it was, it was our team, but you know, where we send the sales guys every social media post and it's like a email distribution that's like 30 35 people or something and not just sales but i mean we, we sent it to our ceo um, and, so, and so everybody can share it if they want like it 
comment, all of the above, none of, none of the above, <laughs> you know I mean? whatever, whatever they want to do that makes sense for their profile and their audience and uh, who mm -hmm. they're trying to sell to. So we, we kind of did something like that and, and put that into place. And, um, you know, so Anna, you have got, an internal engagement strategy to get people on board. And if yeah, they're not yeah. on board, it's noticeable, I will say, because it can only help them to make a sale. But it's yeah, kind of funny. We had this divergence of sales and marketing because nobody likes a hard sale. But then you kind of see them slowly coming back together. Again, not in the form of a hard sale, but like subject matter expert reputational marketing to get your foot in the door. So yeah. it's kind of interesting how they've kind of ebbed and flowed from each other, but usually you're still in the same sphere. Yeah, we, and we should be. I mean, I, you know, if I'm not, I mean, because I can, I can write about whatever till the cows come home if I have the right material and the right support, you know, especially uh -huh. after people take the time to, you know, teach me about the subject. I mean, that was kind of my thing was as a non-technical person, I, I don't want to just regurgitate existing ideas or copy. You know, I want to, I want to be able to understand this as much as I can without my engineering degree. You know I mean? Don't, With, don't, yeah, get me, easily can. don't, don't get me to the physics and the calculus and stuff. I, you know, I, I got an A in algebra in college and then it was all downhill from there, but, you know, but help me, understand it to the point where like with you or whoever I can at least talk intelligently yeah. about the topic and so do this well, that's for an me interesting and, point. that's a yeah. really interesting point because it used to be to be a subject matter expert in the world of academia you had to be submitting papers to SPE or AAPG and don't get me wrong I still support these societies but there was a shift to a more social edge of them and a less technical edge and yeah. I think because of the rise of social media, we're seeing a little bit of the death of SPE and these other societies because no longer do you need them to be your voice and your check mark. And what's the rule of thumb if there are more than five authors, three of them didn't write it. So, oh, for you know sure. what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> been, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. I mean, so it's, yeah. it's kind of fun to see you to see individuals build up their personal brands and energy companies build their brands and even just, you know, those who might not even be selling anything slowly realize, Hey, I can't hide. I need a, I need a communication style, both internal and external. Yeah. So when you're going through this process and you're building it up here at gyro data, how did you pick your platform, your platform right now in a social world seems to be LinkedIn, but you guys are everywhere. Like you are so oversaturated, which I think is, I always say oversaturation is your best friend and your worst enemy because you're never going to annoy anybody being over like in an oversaturated market, but you will always be top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, co coming over here, I mean, my first, my first thing was definitely writing as you'd suspect i mean I, I wanted to get them involved because they had all this amazing technology and all this cool stuff and i, I don't i don't think people really knew knew about it i mean other than some kind of product launches and things like that but i wanted to get it out there way out there in the world and 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 the more the merrier and so yeah. definitely on the you know on articles and I, i'm a big editorial uh editorial fan as far as the magazines more so than okay. the journals um okay. not that there's anything wrong or bad about the journals it's just 
incredibly difficult to get content in there. It's it's uh, requires them to be so much more technical and in the weeds and cited and that mm-hmm. it's a time it's a time sink and that to me was always kind of like you just said with SBE or whoever it is ADE or APG. I mean that was almost like a it was like a like a notch on the belt type thing. It was like a contest. Yeah. I mean, it would be, well, we wrote 300 SB papers this year and, you know, so-and-so only wrote 200. So we're better. It, it, it wasn't necessarily the content of the paper or what it said, or was it original? Okay. I mean, uh, it was, it was just like a quality, a quantity type thing over quantity. Interesting. Uh, okay. So that's kind of what I saw. So, I mean, I, I support those papers, but you know, also the inability to share them broadly because they're using that as a revenue generating thing. So they want the members to go buy them. Um, that makes it very difficult for it to you to expand the reach uh, when you can't, when they're kind of saying, well, yeah, if you want to like send this around to a few people via email, it's cool, but like, don't put it on your website. Okay. And it's like, what, why did I write it then? Oh, it's just so everybody knows that I wrote a paper. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, to your point. I mean, I've been very fortunate because early on, you know, at, at NOV and certainly at Jardate, I mean, I was uh, I met people that said, you know, what you're doing is important. It's 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 very critical to us to not only have things in the magazines or whatever, but also to have them be well written, articulate, compelling, yep. uh, whatever nice nice word you want to attach to it. And so they said, you know, you can be byline like we don't care that you're not an engineer. You're contributing this. I mean, in, in some cases, I would write the whole thing. I'd, I'd get a PowerPoint and I'd write the entire article and then send it back for review and, the, and, and make sure it was correct because I'm just going from what I have. So I have to do I, that sometimes. I'm like, here, I'll write version one. You give me your edits and then yeah. we'll get the final out. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and, and that worked really well because engineers were they were so burdened with so many things to do so much time uh to actually you know hopefully either whether it's engineers and product development or whether it's uh you know salespeople hopefully making money for the company you know their their first goal was not to write papers and so to be that resource was what i wanted to do was say Look, one time I'm asking one time, sit down with me and teach me about this as much as we can. Give me one hour of your time and then I'll go back to my cubicle. You know, you won't see me anymore. I'll go hi- I'll go hide back in my hole where I belong and then <laughs> send me the PowerPoints and send me the presentations and send me the run reports and all the data. I want it all. Just just dump everything over into my inbox and I'll see what I can do with it, whatever kind of magic I can work. And then I'll send that draft to you and, and we'll go from there. Um, mm-hmm. So writing, yeah, when I came over here, writing was the big thing I wanted to do. And then podcasting, which uh, as we're on one now, yay, you know, so uh, I bought you it. And, it. <laughs> <laughs> look at me, you know, I, I've evolved too. But uh, podcasting, I you know, I've been, I've been interested in it. Uh, we had a podcast NOV. And so yes. I, and so I never... It was never, I never really took it as like my, that I needed to get us involved in podcasting at the company. I kind of always thought, well, if, you know, if we want to be on external ones and you'll see like NOV people are almost never on external podcasts. And I I kind of always thought, well, if they want them to be on, they will. Right. So I I just kept writing and doing my thing. But at Jar Data, 
was totally different. No, there's nothing here. There's no podcast, whatever. So I said, how do we engage this as a, as a, as a communications medium and use this channel, this, this, you know, this format that has a burgeoning audience. I mean, it's, it's yeah. growing exponentially at a time when some of the others are rapidly declining. Um, exactly. And yeah, I just, I mean, I just emailed so many people uh, and reached out to them on LinkedIn if I couldn't find an address or connected with people and just tried to get it out there that we have folks that would like to talk about whether it's what we do at the company or an awesome project or their story or, you know, individual pieces of technology, you name it. I, I have somebody that I want to be on there and just to talk about this yeah. and to be a, you know, to be an advocate for the company. And then we can use that material, not only for where it goes out into the world and then the podcast itself gets shared and it gets its views and it gets, you know, transferred around social, but also well, that's for us the same, share it too. That's the same case with social media, podcasting, and then website, you want to understand impact. So, you know, when you're going through this and one of the main points is how are you building into your KPIs? Because I, I truly believe that your ROI in a media and sales perspective, like in sales, you can, you can come back and you can say, I went here, I cost this much, I sold this much because of it. Marketing yeah. tying to sales is a little harder, like you said, and not very many people, like they might have said, oh, we saw your ad, but they're not reporting that back to you. Um, no. So it's a visibility thing, like you're saying. So how are you guys starting to, as you, you're hitting visibility very, very well, as I've said earlier, but how are you starting to build your KPIs to build into your ROI? Because it's a process. Yeah, and it, and it is tough. I mean, right now, one of the main things we look at for, uh, with when we do social and we do podcasts and stuff like that. We're looking at all your standard stuff as far as impressions and views. And really for for podcasting, for example, I mean, I'll present an end of year report where I'm going to try and aggregate all this information to some kind of digestible thing and say, okay, you know, we did, we did 25 podcasts this year. Uh, collectively, they got X views on our social channels. They got X impressions. Then I get the you know, the data back from the people who actually posted it and say, and then also there's that, and then kind of create, you know, caveats to this and say, but we also had seven sales guys share that one and eight share that one. And so I, yep. you know, I, I can't, I, that's not even, I mean, I guess in, I could go and ask each one for every metric on every post, but I'd rather just make a generalization and say, you know, these numbers are not even as good as they, they're, they're even better than they look. Um, yeah. because we have, and for podcasting as you know, a, as an evergreen format, uh, they're continuing to gain views to this day. I mean, exactly. so just go ahead and just go ahead and top off that number with another 10%. And, and that's what it might end up as at some point. Uh, so that's kind of on the podcasting side on, or, you know, on the explicitly kind of digital and social side. And, and I'll present that kind of metric for anything, whether it's mm -hmm. an article or anything we do on, on social, but on editorial, one thing I, you know, I really like, and unfortunately it's very difficult to, uh, <laughs> to get this kind of info, but we will occasionally actually get an inquiry about a paper or an article. 
And so to me, if I can get that, if I can get any sort of interest, I mean, I feel like interest is the base level. If anyone just reads something and they're interested and they reach out, we, we did it. You know, we won. Like I want the gold star. And then the best case is obviously they make a sale or, or some kind of dialogue is started between, uh, you know, between, between us and them. And I mean, we had one, we had one paper here that I'm aware of, and it is challenging because I might not always hear this because it's not like people are reaching out to me for sales. You know, they're, they're reaching out to salespeople and also we're fairly flat. So a lot of sales stuff goes through our technical division, our survey services. Uh, so people are getting these requests. I might not know every time, uh, but you know, I did hear about one where someone from a major actually reached out and said, Hey, I, I saw a, you know, I saw an article about a new technology and I think it was either, I think it was, I think it was JPT actually uh, <laughs> I saw something, uh, back to my very first thing about everybody loves JPT, but they had seen something and it was a very simple, it was a, it was a new product announcement. They have a little section in the front of the magazine called technology applications. And the guy who does that, he's like been a good friend of mine for pretty much my whole oil and gas career. I met him early on and like, just, he helped me a lot place all these new product, new technology launches in that section. And uh, so we did one of those at Gyro Data for one of our new things. And somebody saw that and it's like 200 words. I mean, it wasn't a full length article. It and doesn't that- have to be. And it doesn't have to be. It's back to our point about how people consume content these days. A lot of people are yeah. skimming or they say, I've got this magazine. And it's 50 pages. Like I'm going to hit 10 pages of this thing tonight. Maybe I'll pick it up tomorrow. Maybe I, maybe it never sees the light of day again. So exactly. it's a little, little bit of digestible content and it described what the new technology was, what the benefit of it was. And somebody read that and reached out to one of our senior vice presidents and said, uh, hey, how's everything going? Like, I just saw you had this new tech and, uh, you know, JPT and tell me more. Like, I want to know about this. Is it like, maybe this is something that makes sense for us in this campaign we're going to do. And I don't, I think that was maybe That's a cool. month or month or six weeks ago or something. So I'm not sure what came of it and, you know, challenging environment, blah, blah, blah. So who knows if the sale was made, but like that to me is a huge validation and a huge success yeah. that this stuff works and, and maybe it doesn't lead to a sale that's okay. It, it, it's visible. It gets our name out there. We're saturating the market. So people start to recognize uh, who Gyro Data is, what we do, especially for technologies that don't have a lot of visibility. I mean, Gyro's in the name, the company name. So I think everybody <laughs> think they've got that one figured out. But we do other stuff that is not in the company name and with, with wireline yeah. logging services and wellbore tortuosity analysis and it, things that they're not upfront visible you don't know about the company so a lot of that exactly. I, I try to put that out there too and we're and they're very successful and you know have customers uh they have customers all over the place that run you know like tortuosity analysis to find out side loading forces against tubing and and if uh they need to place the artificial lift equipment in a different location because the you know the force against the whatever the tubing or the casing is going to rupture mm-hmm. or break and cost a lot of money so we do stuff like that, and do do people know no, that broadly? Even these conversations now, I'm learning so much more about gyro data just because <laughs> we are having this conversation. But the things that are standing out most is you, you have to, and I think this goes back to some of the conversations we had previous to this and the intro. But you have to understand what you're trying to measure. You have to develop as a company your own KPI 
You do have to have a voice regardless of where you fall in the oil field. And you have to, I mean, it's a pain in the ass, but you have to go and get (laughs) these metrics in order to build up what it means to be successful. But what you're telling me after all that said is that it comes down to name recognition, AKA visibility, and then building your list. You want visibility so that you are top of mind for everyone. And you know what's so funny about that is visibility and list building are literally the only two things in a digital and social world that you actually own. Everything (laughs) else is out on a different platform owned by someone else that can be taken down or destroyed at any time. So it's kind of funny listening to you say all this because I'm a data nerd. I'm an engineer. I love hearing all of it. So when it comes time for you to put that year-end presentation together, call me because I want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, uh, I'd be happy to make it shine, make it shine a little more. I forgot who I was talking. I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know, he said, "Well, why do you why do you want this information about you know whatever?" And I said, "I I want to I want to keep my job. <laughs> like I want people to understand because it's great that." I, you know, I don't think there's any question about what we do in our jobs and, you know, that, that this kind of work is valuable. I mean, I think like fundamentally everybody gets it, but it's, it sure is nice to have something to back that up and present and say, I know that you understand that it's good to have articles and podcasts and make our people feel yeah. warm and fuzzy. I know you know that, but like, here, like here's what level. it really is, you know, on exactly. our LinkedIn channel in Last year we had you know X number of impressions. It's it's multiplied tenfold because we're using social media effectively. You know I've actually got one that I've been really uh, you know kind of excited about and, and taking little screen caps and whatnot is our engagement rate versus uh, some other companies. And I mean at least like for the past month, our engagement rate was almost seven percent on LinkedIn, uh, awesome. which was like which was pretty much better than almost every other person or, co- or company that I put in the list to compare, um, including, you know, major competitors, including non-competitors, just other companies. But it's really a testament to the power of what we're trying to do uh, because some of these other companies that were in there that were having two and 3%, they're massive. They have huge followership. They have social media teams that are dedicated to this. They have marketing they teams that are- because yeah, they and, don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and we have two people, and and so for they, us to have a channel yeah. with nineteen thousand and to be getting yeah. engagement levels like that, uh, I'm I'm very happy with that. And even I even did it from January to now, and we were still beating out some of the other competitors. So it's kind of like it wasn't seven percent; it was like three point nine or something. So it wasn't as phenomenal, no, but awesome. it was still. Still, still fine with me, and it was ahead of pretty much you know all the ones that mattered, and so that's kind of stuff too. I want to show and say, look, you know, it's important that we have our people. It's worth their time to do this, even if it's fifteen minutes a day. And I've done exactly. some ghostwriting stuff here where I'll give our different people like uh, I'll write articles for them, but like more personal type stuff, and then they can post it on their channel, and then we'll share it out via Gyrodata's channel. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole like three point. You know, they share, they get the name recognition and their own metrics and stuff. Then I'll take it and I'll put it on Jira data and get more information. Then everybody else shares both. And so it goes all over the place. And a lot of people, they're just, they have amazing ideas and they're intelligent and they have so much to say. 
and they just either feel like they lack a voice or they're not a good writer or they're, or they they're shy or they're scared. Yeah, I mean, and it's just about giving them, empowering them with that and saying, let me take that burden away from you. And I'll, you know what, I'll write you a little thousand word piece to put on LinkedIn uh, and you put it up and, you know, you can edit it. Please, please, in fact, please edit it. Like I want it to sound like you. There's no exactly. benefit if I just write it and then it sounds like me every time. That's that's just kind of duplicitous. But at least let me help you like get the ideas in there and then you fix it and publish it yourself. You know, I mean, and there's been some of those we put up lately. We might even do one tomorrow. You know, and so it's like I really like it, that it, because it helps. We're on the crude audacity, and it will be coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So Stephen, I have loved this conversation. I completely agree with you. We're in such a pivot right now and we are seeing revolutionary, creative, just mentalities come out. And to your point, we need more creatives in the oil and gas industry because as an industry in ourselves, we haven't done that great of a job. We need more of a voice and we need people to be more comfortable finding their voice. So I know we're wrapping up here, but before I let you go, because we're going to have a lot more conversations about this. But before I let you go, what is a book, podcast, or other resource that has brought you value that you would encourage someone who is a creative and interested in industry to get involved in? Well, I'm 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 glad uh, I'm glad you you let me know you're going to ask this because I you know I'd actually I've 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 read some uh, you know I've read I've read a few books here and there on kind of the topic of you know, branding or, or kind of, you know, telling stories or storytelling, things like that. And admittedly, I'm, I'm deeper on the literature side. So, I, <laughs> but nobody, nobody needs that. Um, what I will say is there's actually a book, uh, it was called Building a Story Brand uh, by a guy named uh, Donald Miller. And I really liked that because one of the things that he, he emphasized in the book was uh, right back to, uh, what we talked about a little earlier was the value of words uh, and, and specifically of, you know, good, good words, good copy, whatever you want to, you know, whatever we want to say, but uh, focusing on the fact that without, without kind of this foundational aspect uh, with writing and communication and language, literacy, whatever uh, you don't have anything else. And, uh, this this is a cornerstone of how we do business. Uh, it's certainly a cornerstone of basically civilization as we know it. <laughs> and so it was. I, I like that. So much focuses on the visual aspect. Uh, kind of going back to what we had talked about. There's there's a lot of focus on that. A lot of jobs and and you know and people like like things like 3D animations and it's so uh, cool. Know, cool stuff and oh man it's so engineers like that yeah oh they love it you know and and that's hey that's fine i mean i've seen some i'm friends with animators i've seen some amazing stuff i can't i wouldn't even know how to open uh the the program to do it you know so hey that's amazing but as a as a writer and as someone who's really like tried to argue for the value of this for a long time and why it's important uh whether it's that book i mentioned or uh, there was another one I read, and I, I just can't remember what it was called. But it was something about it was something like the hook was the name of the book, or something like that. Um, and the guy who wrote that, it might actually be called the hook. Oh no, it was called okay. It's called Hook Point. I just looked it up. Hook um, Point. Hook Point. But uh, and that's a very recent book, 
And that was kind of talking about in a society where um, uh, attention spans are so bad and uh, you're, you're on your phone and it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, you're scrolling yeah. down light speed and, <laughs> uh, or if you're reading a magazine or whatever, people are looking for that little nugget or that little thing that they can glean as quickly and easily as possible. Kind of the, the, the desire for like deep introspection or really sitting down with something and pouring over it is just not as common, I think, especially with, you know, younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was his point was you need this hook when you're writing good copy to draw someone in immediately and not something that's like cheesy or gimmicky, um, but something that's something that, you know, kind of transcends the boundaries of the industry you're working in to really be this more universal, like hook point to grab someone and then drive them to take action somehow. And had some, had some pretty interesting examples from, you know, like a, there was a perfume campaign that he mentioned where the, the copywriter wrote something of something that, uh, it was something like, you know, the, the person who made this perfume swears under oath that it's not like has an illegal substance to make, you know, to make you smell sexy or something. And then they said, <laughs> you know, come to this event at the such and such hotel to get, uh, we're giving out 10,000 samples. And, uh, so you That's can make cool. sure, so you can make sure that, you know, you yourself are not poisoned by it. I'm butchering it, but it, it's in there. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's in, it's towards the beginning of the book. And so, and sure enough, that event he talked about, and it was from like 40, 50 years ago. And that event they did had, I think, like 7,000, 8,000 attendees at this hotel for this little perfume launch. Um, and so, so the was hotel kind of like, was happy. They had a perfume launch and they created an experience. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So everybody wins. And it was all based on that. those little two lines of copy was how... <laughs> They, they made that happen. And then, you know, there was sure there's the execution afterwards, but that was the, the hook that got people to go and for these folks to show up. And uh, I, I forgot the exact number, but it said like their revenue grew from something like $20,000 uh, uh, over a certain amount of time to like $800,000. Uh, I'd have wow. to look it up, but yeah, it was, it was just a, f- a phenomenal, just an unthinkable increase. And so, the power of words is very real, especially when accompanied by other like complementary, uh, you know, marketing avenues or, or activities or whatever that that uh, you know that amplify the words and that the words amplify them, and so it's just kind of this big circle where it all just works better. So that's a couple I things. I'd, that's a couple of resources. I'd I'd say. I'm, I, <laughs> No, that's awesome. Those are super good. I'm actually going to download both of them. Hopefully they're on Audible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Stephen, there are so many other channels I want to go down. So we might have to break out and do individual discussions such as case studies and production planning, but we can do them through the Instagram channel. But this has been such an interesting conversation to see how you guys are navigating this digital world, how you're embracing it, where you're seeing changes. I love that you had to do everything from the ground up because I, I really don't think that anybody should ever listen to someone who hasn't been there to do it themselves. So, I mean, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for such a cool, like just a cool conversation about how the digital revolution is helping you, your career, your team and gyro data. I think it's so amazing. 
Yeah, no, my pleasure. I agree. It was great. Uh, it, nice, to, nice to be candid and open and just talk about it. I, you know, I'm very passionate about about communications and good writing and 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 everything that goes with that. And uh, yeah, and like you said, it such a such a delight to come into an organization where uh, I was able to really be given the trust to uh, you know build something pretty much from from start and uh, just have the authority to you know, make these decisions and do things and, and for them to believe in me and uh, let it roll. And, and that, that's what I said uh, to, to my boss right when I started was, you know, you, you'll, you're, you'll get you'll get in uh, as much as you, you know, you'll get out of this as much as you put in. And like, I, wa I want you to shine. I mean, and I guarantee you, if I have the material to make it happen, you know, I want to tell the stories because we really do. And whether it's business oriented and trying to make money or, engagement or whatever, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about it. And I want to make sure that, you know, our people feel valued and, and that the industry understands what we do and everything in between. So it's been, it's been fun. And really, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> this yeah. conversation alone has been so informative to what all y'all do at every place you are. And it was supposed to just be like the digital discussion. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But you know what's most important um, that I love is that it sounds like gyro data is on the forefront of letting leadership rise. And that in and of itself is revolutionary in this industry. So thank you so much again for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fabulous.